You're listening to Mount Carmel Baptist Church's weekly Sunday worship service message at 11 a.m. Mount Carmel is located in Demarest, Georgia. To learn more, visit mtcarmeldemarest.com or facebook.com forward slash mtcarmeldemarest. Thanks for listening. If you take your Bibles and turn to Genesis, Genesis chapter 18, we're going to look at just one verse this morning, Genesis 18 and 19. I want to encourage you to, if you have your physical Bible, uh, take it out and turn in the scriptures with us. I just ask that you have an open Bible, an open mind and an open heart. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, uh, we've provided an insert there in your bulletin that should have all the notes, quotes, and references uh, for today. And you can fill in the blank as we go along. And then if you're watching uh, from home or listening, you can go to two places. You can go to the YouVersion Bible app. That's Y-O-U version. Uh, Once you download it, go to the More Tab Tap Events, Find Mount Carmel Baptist Church. There actually should be two events this morning, a 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., so it should be easier for you to find. If you're watching from outside the Habersham County area, uh, just put in the search bar Demarest, D-E-M-O-R-E-S-T. I don't think there's another Demarest in all of America, I'm being honest. If you find it, let me know. Uh, and then the other thing I was going to say, you can also go to mtcarmeldemers.com forward slash notes. And the, and the notes that are actually here in the church with the folks, uh, you can download on your, on your phone or, uh, or on your computer, all right? Genesis chapter 18, uh, verse 19. And this Father's Day, I want to preach on the subject of just fathers, just fathers. Now, I do want to preface it and let you know, for those who know how I operate with preaching, I, I try to plan my preaching out an entire year. So I, this text was selected uh, a little over a year ago, and I think it's incredibly uh, just providential for today, okay? Many people hurt on Father's Day from the relationship they wish they had won't to have, or will never have again with their dad. Best-selling author David Sedaris described his relationship with his father this way. We're like a pair of bad trapeze artists reaching for each other's hands and missing every time. You may feel like that. You may think that line describes you But here at the beginning, I do want to offer you hope, okay? Contemporary Christianity has been described as, quote, privately engaging but socially irrelevant. Many of us concern ourselves with our family and church and neglect the broader areas of economic, social, and political fabric of our day. You will see that God expects Christian fathers to address and act on these issues. Let me give you a little bit of background information because I know um, when you jump in and you just read one verse, you can pigeonhole it to say just about anything you want it to say. So let me at least kind of situate your mind so you can interpret uh, Genesis 18 and 19 for yourself. Moses, the great lawgiver of the Ten Commandments, wrote the book of Genesis 
thousands of years before Jesus Christ was born, Moses writes the book of Genesis to tell the nation, and this is important, of freed Israelite slaves the story of their God, their Savior and, and Redeemer, Yahweh. All right. When you see, and just as a note, when you see in your Bible the, the Lord in all caps, that's something that's called uh, the Tetragrammaton, and it stands for the personal name of God. And we, all we know is that it's four consonants, Y-H-W-H. And so we add the A and the E, and sometimes they'll add the vowels of Adonai, so you get Jehovah. But we really don't know what the name of God sounds like. All right? But this is the personal name of God. Yahweh promised a man named Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. He promised him, in general, three things. He promised him a land, a great nation, and that all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through Abraham. In today's Bible passage, in Genesis 18, Yahweh appears to Abraham as a man. Pretty incredible to think about. He comes down as a man, which is an Old Testament phenomenon known as a theophany. Now, I agree with Warren Wearsby here that this is not a theophany, but a Christophany. And what that means is I believe this is an appearance of the pre-incarnate Christ. Uh, I believe uh, Abraham is talking to Jesus here. All right? Um, in verse 19, we catch... This is so amazing. I love the narrative. Yahweh talking to himself. This whole verse is Yahweh just deliberating with himself. He is deliberating whether or not to tell Abraham about his plans to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And the question that's in this text that we need to answer is why tell Abraham? Why tell Abraham? It look, just, I'd love to see, this is like a glimpse into the logic of God for just a minute. All right, let's look in Genesis 18 verse 19. And this is Yahweh deliberating. He's literally turned, turned around. The angels are headed to Sodom. And he's saying this to himself as he walks away from Abraham. Should I tell him what we're, do, what we're about to do? And he says this. He says, for ah, Yahweh, have chosen him, Abraham so that he will command his children and his house after him to keep the way of the Lord, Yahweh, the way of Yahweh, by doing what is right and just. This is how the Lord, Yahweh, will fulfill to Abraham what he promised him. This is God's logic, okay? This is why I should tell Abraham my plans to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Now notice this. Abraham here, it says he was chosen. You can also say he was elected. Yahweh graciously chose and set apart Abraham for a specific task and purpose. And this is this word that Yahweh has promised to do for Abraham, to give him a land, to make him into a great nation, to bless all the people of the world through Abraham. But this word chosen or elected can also mean to know in a deeply personal fashion. 
Uh, and, and these are not mutually exclusive ideas. The idea is that if I've chose you, I know you. And if I know you, I've chosen you. Okay? Uh, so he, he knows Abraham inside and out. He knows the plans that he has for Abraham. He knows the purposes and what he set apart Abraham to do. He knows everything there is to know about Abraham. And we're, we finally see just a glimpse behind the curtain of Yahweh's logic as to why he chose Abraham. This is amazing because at first, okay, that slither of a reformed part in me goes, what do you mean there's a reason? <laughs> okay? But listen to this. And so I, I turned to John Calvin's commentary on Genesis 18, 19. And listen to what John Calvin said about this verse. This is just amazing. He said this. He says, the second reason beyond God's gracious choice of Yahweh, why God chooses to make Abraham a partaker of his counsel to tell him his plans, is because he foresees, Yahweh foresees, that this would not be done in vain and without profit. There's something to gain by telling Abraham. And the simplest meaning of the passage is that Abraham is admitted to the counsel of God. He gets to hear God's plans. Why? Because he would faithfully fulfill the office of a good householder in instructing his own family. Wow! Do you understand what he's saying? God looked at Abraham and said, he's a good father. I'll tell him. Now, Abraham, if you know Abraham, (laughs) Abraham is not a perfect man. But he did see, he'll tell his kids. He'll tell him what I'm about to do. This is amazing. Think of the dialogue then in the mind of Yahweh. Should I tell Abraham? Yes, because Abraham will tell his family. Isn't that awesome? And it's important that they know the counsel of God. Abraham was not perfect. He had a flawed character. So that should give you hope, okay? (laughs) No father is perfect. He is not known, Abraham is not known as the father of perfection. He's known as the father of faith. He's known that he would trust and obey God. That's what made him blameless. Yahweh says in Genesis 26, 5 to Abraham's son Isaac, Oh, he did all my commands and statutes. And you go and you look at it, no, he didn't. (laughs) But he trusted God, and that's the way God looked at it. But he trusted me and did whatever I told him to do. Yahweh knew that when he commanded Abraham to command his family to do justice, that Abraham would do it. John Calvin went on to applaud the text this way, and I think it's excellent. He says, wherefore, it is the duty of parents, and I would say fathers in particular, to apply themselves diligently to the work of communicating what they have learned from their Lord to their children. Here's what I want you to write down. Jesus calls fathers to deliver justice. Jesus calls fathers to deliver justice. Now, the question I want to spend the remainder of our time answering is, how do fathers deliver justice to the world and to their children? 
the first thing that we can see, you can write this down here in your notes, first is by authoritative instruction. Authoritative instruction. Notice how he's to do this. He will command his children. And we'll talk about what that means. We're not talking about being abusive by any stretch of the imagination. But it is instruction with authority. This isn't like, I got some good ideas. No. You're to go and tell the truth with authority. You, Father, are to teach justice to your children authoritatively. You say, and here's, here's what I hear, and, I, and I'm telling you because not that I hear this verbally, I see this in the actions of Christian men. You say, oh, Josh, but I'm not a teacher. And I'd say, oh, but friend, fathers are teachers. That's what we've missed. Sorry, shouldn't have been a father. Got me? If you're a father, you're a teacher. And we've got to get back to that. This is one of the greatest things that's happened in the pandemic, is I do think our family discipleship has increased. You can't pawn it off on a youth pastor or a pastor, daddies. You've got to teach your kids the Word. And let me tell you, it's not easy. I sit down with Scotty and we do this uh, New City Catechism. I think we're on question 8 or 9. Nine. But I think question 8 was, what are the Ten Commandments? And so I'm doing this as, you know, what are the Ten Commandments? And the first one, Scotty has trouble with. And so we would repeat it back and forth to one another. So I say you, and she says you, and I say shall, and she says shall. And then I say have, and she says have no money. And I was like, is that a promise? I don't know. What? And I, I was done. I was like, we're just going to close up and we'll work at it tomorrow night. It's hard to teach them sometimes. But, but dads, that's your responsibility. It's your God-given role to teach your children. Now, and I want to say this. If you're in a single-parent home and there's no father present, yes, it falls to whoever parent is there. But if, if there's a, a Christian father in the home, it's you. You're supposed to do this. Listen to a couple of, of texts in the Old Testament and the New that shows explicitly. This is written, written to the elders who are the men of Israel, and then to Christian men. Listen to Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 9 through 10. It says this, Only be on guard and diligently watch yourselves, so that you don't forget that the things your eyes have seen, and so that you don't slip from your mind as long as you live. Teach them to your children and your grandchildren. The day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, that's Sinai, The Lord said to me, this is Moses speaking, Assemble the people before me, and I will let them hear my words, so that they may learn to fear me all the days they live on the earth. And notice notice the second instruction, and that they may instruct their children. He says, I'm going to put the fear of God in them that they will teach their kids. (laughs) That's that's what Yahweh wants. I'm going to burn it into their mind. were, Were you at Sinai? Yeah, let me tell you about it. See how that works? I'm going to make sure they tell their kids. Look at the next text. I found this amazing. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7. He says this, The words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. (laughs) This is an idiom for going, Anytime, anyplace is a good time to talk about God's word. Dad. 
And then Paul, he brings this into the new covenant in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. And this is where I do want to nuance what we talk about, what we mean by authoritative. Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Now, here's what's important. I do think we can abuse the word authoritative. Okay? Fathers, God has ordained you to teach justice to your children authoritatively, but authoritative isn't angry. We tend to make them the same. Like if a man's red face and yelling, that's authoritative. No, it's not. It's not. Real authority does not come from how you look or how you talk. Real authority comes from the Word of God. This is important. Let the Word dwell in you richly. Become convicted, change, and confident in this book, and you'll teach justice authoritatively without being angry, right? They'll see that you're soaked in this word and that your word has weight because it's God's word, okay? Read the Holy Scriptures to them. The worst case scenario, okay, this is one of the things. If you, even if you don't know how to say you know, the teaching, you can at least read the Word of God to them. You can at least read. Sit them down and read. And ladies and gentlemen, it's one of those things that I've found as a father, not as a pastor, as a, just a Christian man with children who, who wants to disciple them. I'm talking about 10, 15 minutes a night. And it does amazing wonders of what your children will soak in like a sponge. I'm always shocked at how much my Scotty retains. Uh, we do the New City Catechism, a devotion book, and we're reading through like a kid's version of the Pilgrim's Progress. And she does great. Every now and then you got to threaten her. But other than that, she's awesome. Um, and so I just want to encourage you. It's, one of, it's probably the highlight of my day is to sit down with her and just, just get the scriptures to her. That's all I want to do. And that's what I ask you to do. Now... How do fathers deliver justice? We do it, one, by authoritative instruction. And the second way we do it, and we have to do this as well, is by example. By example. You must set an example for your children to follow by doing what is right and just. If you lecture them on this is what is righteousness and this is justice, and then you're unrighteous and unjust in your dealings with other people, your word will carry no weight. It will have no authority. In fact, they'll probably despise you and turn against you in your way. Righteousness and justice. In the Bible, it's interesting. The Bible doesn't give like a verse where like here is the definition of justice. What you find is it's mostly done in case law, case studies. Here's a story and here's how justice plays out. And so you can look at the whole Torah, the Old Testament here, and you'll see stories of what God means by righteousness and justice. But for the sake of Tom, I'm just going to reduce it down to a couple of things. Righteousness and justice require punishment for misdeeds, all right, that there is punishment for evil doing, or punishment for inaction. This is equally important. So you can do evil and warrant punishment, or you can leave things undone that are good and it can warrant the discipline of God. All right? And that's a part of what we're supposed to teach our children. And then here's another part. 
And and you'll see this play out in the law and especially the Old Testament prophets. Righteousness and justice also require, and this is a little bit harder one as far as to articulate, but that the marginalized, those who are on the outskirts, who don't enjoy uh, the majority, receive equitable treatment in the community. So equity, the equal application of the law to everybody. All right, And this is important because people, this is what Christians, we do. We kind of get in our bubble and we want to do what's right and fair in our family and church. Fathers, you actually have a command on you to see that justice is done in the community. I sincerely believe that law enforcement is an extension of fatherly authority. When fathers lose the authority, the law enforcement steps in. That's how that works. So it's an extension of fatherly authority. So you've got to make sure there's equal application of the law. And please notice this in case you're thinking this is some wacko, liberal, democratic, uh, you know, left-wing you know, nut thing. This is the way of Yahweh. Doing right and just. That's it. That's a part of who we are as chosen men of God. Fathers, you are responsible to teach it authoritatively and by example. When Yahweh disclosed his plans to judge Sodom and Gomorrah, <laughs> do you remember what Abraham did when he heard it? Anybody remember? He said, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. <laughs> this is interesting. Whoa, 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 what do you, what do you mean you're going to do? It's interesting. He already begins immediately to show his concern for justice. Not, he's, not, he's not like doubting God. He's sincerely questioning. And, and his sincere question, what he questions is, by destroying Sodom, won't you kill righteous people too? Do you see what he's worried about? You're going to punish innocent people, aren't you? <laughs> and that's when Yahweh knows. He goes, all right, well, how many people's got to be in Sodom for me not to punish them, right? That's when they start going back and forth. He's like, 50. And Abraham's like, wait, I know, I know Sodom. Uh, what about 40, <laughs> right? And Abraham keeps going. He's like, if you just find 10, right, you'll spare the city. But notice, it's driven by a sincere desire to go, we must be just, right? And, and Yahweh's right. He's going, you're right, Abraham. The problem is this. They're not. They're not. And I'm going to level it to the ground. And so all we see spared is Lot and his family. Isn't that interesting? But he is at least concerned that there is equal application of the law. Isn't that interesting? And then even when, this is what's so amazing, even when he knows this is not a good case, what does he do? He intercedes for a community that did not want him. Spare them. Please spare them. That is, and if, and if there's ever been a call for those just fathers, it's today. Christian men who can see this is equal application of the law, and then men who will pray for their enemies. <laughs> what an amazing thing. It has been said, what you do speaks so loud that I cannot hear what you say. Our children are watching our action and our inaction. What we leave unsaid. What we don't pray. Do your children see your concern for the protection of the innocent? Have your children heard you pray for justice? Have they heard you intercede for the lost? Have they heard you bless your enemies? If not, what are you teaching them? 
Because I'm saying this, they're still learning even when you don't do it. You think they're going to do it? Nope. My daddy didn't. That's what they're saying. Fathers, offer up prayers and supplications for your family, your friends, your church, and the world. Now, one last thing. Why does Jesus call fathers to deliver justice? Why is God so concerned that this is a man who will tell his kids what is right and wrong? Why does he care so much? Notice what the very last sentence of Genesis 18, 19 says. His final deliberation in his mind. Yahweh says this. He says, this is how the Lord, Yahweh, will fulfill to Abraham what he promised him. Now we went back and, and, and from Genesis 12, 1 through 3, and Genesis 17, 1 and 2, we see some of the promises of God to Abraham. But actually, if you'll go up just one verse, you can at least know what's on Yahweh's mind at the time. Look at what it says in verse 18. This is what God, God is, this is still God deliberating. Yahweh deliberating. Abraham is to become a great and powerful nation, and all the nations of the earth will, earths will be blessed through him. So notice what's on Yahweh's mind about Abraham. He'll bless the world. He'll bless the world. And here's what I want you to see. Why does Jesus call fathers to deliver justice? Write this. To bless all peoples. When Christian fathers deliver justice, it is a blessing to the world. It's a blessing to the world. Abraham is to be the means of blessing all nations. And notice here, even nations like Sodom and Gomorrah are at least blessed with Abraham's intercession. Isn't that amazing? It's like, hey, wait a minute. I've chosen this God to bless all nations. He should even hear about Sodom and Gomorrah. Isn't that interesting? Let let Abraham at least pray for him. So even Sodom and Gomorrah cannot on judgment day and go, well, I was not blessed by the seed of Abraham. Abraham even prayed for you. (laughs) Amazing. Further, Abraham's influence over future generations required that he should know Yahweh's judgment so that it might be a solemn lesson for them. You remember what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah? That's what Abraham can say. Isaac, Jacob, and all the way down. Do you remember? They're supposed to be telling those future generations. That's still a blessing to the world as well. Sodom stands as a memorial to God's punitive judgment. And then all the world would be blessed because of Abraham. What a privilege to be used by the Lord to touch people around you. What a privilege it is to know that your children, your grandchildren, and for Abraham, one in particular, and I say one with a capital O, would be used to impact the lives of those yet unborn. Abraham is impacting you and me this very moment by just reading the story. (laughs) Right? It stands in the testament of his work. Now, here's what I want you to think about. There is an entire generation right now that are on the streets that have few fathers to follow. And when I say fathers, I mean just Christian fathers. What's in the streets starts with fathers. 
It's just the truth. What you do and say will not die when you die. For good or bad. Your involvement with those around you will continue to bear fruit long after you have departed from this world. Tell them about justice socially. But also, and this is the other part, and this is where we get lopsided. Tell them about justice spiritually. That we all deserve to die because of our own sin. And God's judgment is coming for every single one of us, not just Sodom. Remember what Jesus said. It would be easier for Sodom than for you to not believe in me on the day of judgment. Sodom gets a pass, so to speak, than to reject Jesus. So we have to tell them that we justly deserve hell. And yet Christ in His grace and mercy shed His blood for our forgiveness and to grant us eternal life. That's a part of doing right and telling what justice is. You've got to share the gospel with your family. Jesus calls fathers to deliver justice. Ultimately, God graciously chose Abraham to bless the whole world through one of his descendants, Jesus Christ. We can go through, and we're doing this on Sunday nights with our visual theology. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the people of Israel, none of them were perfect. They're all flawed. Okay? There's only one hero in this whole book, but he is a descendant of Abraham. Okay? God, Yahweh, delivered on his promise. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And then I want to say this, Christians, if you have a just father like the one I've described, who has taught you right and wrong, has and lived it by example, and looks for the you know, equitable application of the law and prays for others and has shared the gospel with you, you should prize your father today. Prize him. And then, if possible, try to improve on it. All right? That's a call to Christian fatherhood. John Calvin ended his section of this commentary this way. He says, The gross ignorance which reigns in the world is the just punishment of men's idleness. For whereas the greater part close their eyes to the offered light of heavenly doctrine, yet there are those who stifle it. He says, some people close their eyes to God's revelation, some stifle it. And here's, notice this next part. By not taking care to transmit it to their children. How do we stifle the word of God? Just being careless and neglecting to pass it on. Don't, go, don't leave this world without knowing your con- I have given them the word of God. You can, with gentleness and respect, you can fail in every other way. Don't fail in that. Perhaps the greatest calamity that has befallen our country is the utter collapse of just fathers. Jesus calls fathers to deliver justice. I'm going to ask every head bowed and every eye closed. Now, I can't call you to come forward, okay? But if Stacy, if you want to go ahead and come up, we're going to have an instrumental meditation, all right? A time to pray and to evaluate our lives. And I would encourage a couple of things. Number one, 
if you do not know the promised one of Abraham, Jesus Christ, our Savior and God, the only perfect one who shed his blood and died on the cross for our sins and God raised him from the dead as proof that he can forgive us, redeem us, and grant us eternal life. Today, you can confess to him that you're a sinner and commit your life to him. He's not dead. He He is alive. He hears our faults and whispers. He is God. And if you're ready to turn your life over to Christ with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to teach you to pray to Jesus. All right? And so pray this silently in your heart to Christ. Say, dear Jesus, I am a sinner and deserve your justice. I deserve hell. But I believe you love me. You are gracious and merciful that you came to this earth. You lived a perfect life. And you shed your blood and died on the cross for all my sins. And I also believe God raised you from the dead. Please forgive me. Come into my life. Change me. And give me eternal life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Again, you can't really, like we can't come forward to interact today, but I would love to know if you prayed that prayer. I'd love to talk to you more about it. And you can do one of three things. On the back of that bulletin, there's a tear-off panel. You can check off either becoming a Christian or being baptized. You're not signing up for those things. It's just an opportunity for me to contact you. Give me your name, an email address, or a phone number, and check one or two of those boxes. Drop it off in these offering boxes. I'd be delighted to follow up with you. Or you can text BELIEVE, B-E-L-I-E-V-E, to 706-525-5351, or... You can go to mtcarmeldemers.com forward slash baptism. Baptism is our next step in our walk with the Lord where we go public with this private confession and commitment. And so if you've never been baptized, I'm just asking you to go take the next step to seek more information and let me talk to you about it. The last thing that I want us to do with, as we're grouped together in families is I would ask fathers and mothers to come together to pray, and this is the way it's, I wrote it down, and I just want you to hear it. Father, you chose Abraham to direct his family to keep your way, doing what's right and just. Help me to do the same. Let's just take that verse, almost just take Genesis eighteen nineteen, and pray it over you and your family. Thanks for listening to Mount Carmel Baptist Church's weekly Sunday worship service message. Mount Carmel is located in Demarest, Georgia. Please join us this Sunday at 11 a.m. To plan your visit, go to mtcarmeldemarest.com.